you'll join with me, the band will give us an introduction, and we are going to sing our opening song, I'll Hail the Power. welcome you. This is the first Sunday of fall, so kind of an exciting uh, time to be here, a change of season. It's also the 90th birthday of Lucille Smith. So, Lucille, would you stand? Let's give her a hand. God bless you. Uh, We also have guests here from the divisional headquarters now, Majors. David and Gayann Fulton, and they're sitting in the back. Let's welcome them. But this morning, we're here to worship the Lord and lift his name on high. Psalm 113, 
is how I'd like to begin our worship time. Praise the Lord. Praise, O servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forever. From the rising of the sun to its setting, the name of the Lord is to be praised. The Lord is high above all nations. His glory is above the heavens. Who is like the Lord our God? Who is enthroned on high? Who humbles himself to behold the things that are in heaven and in the earth? He raises the poor from the dust. He lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with princes, with the princes of his people. He makes the barren woman abide in the house as a joyful mother of children. Praise the Lord. God is good. He reverses all bad fortunes and brings blessing. Uh, This morning our service is being recorded and sent to missionaries. And today we're going to be sending a copy of this service to Majors Jim and Judy Garrington in Dresden, Germany, to Captains Phil and Sheila Davis in um, Davison in Santiago, Chile, and in, to Captains R.C. and Miranda Duskin in Tbilisi, Tbilisi, I always say that wrong, sorry guys, uh, in the Republic of Georgia. May God bless them where they are serving. Now let's continue to praise the Lord. We're going to sing, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. And if you can't tell, the theme this morning is holiness. So be thinking about that, because in just a few minutes, you're going to be able to share holiness.
Father, we come before you today, and we thank you for your grace, your goodness, and your mercy. We thank you for answered prayer, and we just thank you for everyone here. We thank you for the lives that you give us, and Lord, help us today to um, turn our eyes onto you and to examine our lives and um, how we can be more like you. We just pray these things in your name. Amen. Yesterday we had a great celebration of a 90th birthday. And Lucille, I'm sure she was just thrilled with that wonderful celebration. Lucille is also one of the of a long-time members of the Band League. Two weeks from yesterday is a very special occasion for our Band League, and that is our annual Band League celebration. We have people from across the country who are part of the support group for this band. And the most important thing that they bring to the table is praying. When Marge Needham tells me, I pray for you fellows, remember when her husband Archie was in the band, it was all fellows, I pray for you fellows every day. That's a thrill to my heart because that's what we need in this core, in this church, as well as for the ministry of this band. And we're going to have a a special tribute at this celebration, and it's called the Harry Heron Factor. Now, Lucille's got a little ways to go. Harry's 96, and I kind of suspect this is going to be the last time we're going to see Harry because he's bringing not only his wife, Joy, but he's also bringing his grandson, and his son. And they're meeting with a number of distant relatives during the week before that Saturday, two weeks from today, October 6th. And I suspect that that's a, a goodbye tour for him. And so we're going to have a very special celebration of the Harry Heron factor. Let me just very quickly tell you what that means. When Harry was five years of age in 1917, his mother died. Now, Harry and his three brothers, what do they do? Well, Jenny Stoneham, a member of this corps, <clears throat> took Harry and his brothers on to, to be their surrogate mother. And then Percy Bell, Mark Reese, Sam Monk surrounded him as well as the other members of this corps to teach him about the Lord, teach him music. And so in his later years, after he was a <clears throat> very successful businessman in California, He decided he needed to pay back for those people that did all of that by investing himself in the young people of this corps and also to a a large extent of this division. So the Harry Heron factor, factor is investing yourself in others to give back in honor of those individuals that made an impact on your life. So the Divisional Youth Band is going to be here because he's made an impact on them. Well, they won't be in their regular uniforms. They're going to have some red T-shirts on with a picture of Harry, and it's going to say, Harry Heron Band. <laughs> this is a surprise. Harry knows nothing about this. But this is an example <clears throat> for all of us. And so for those of you that are Band League members that haven't given me your reservation, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> pardon me, we need that because we have to make reservations with Temple Dining. So... On the back of your program, it gives you some information there about the Band League celebration. And if there's anybody who's not a Band League member, Peggy's not going to be here for you to to call her. So you've got to call me or see me face-to-face or email or whatever. If there's somebody who's not a Band League member but you'd like to 
find out more about the band league, we will ask you to come but see me to give your reservation and be our guest to find out what's happening in that setting. So if anybody's interested in doing that, it's a great celebration, and we're, we're excited about the possibilities of what the band league can do for this church, for this ministry of all of our music groups. This morning, <clears throat> that key ingredient that I just talked about, praying, that is what is most important in our lives on a daily basis. Praying, being in God's Word. And so the, the little chorus that we're going to share with you, be still for the presence of the Lord, that says a message that's very strong. Be still. again, especially to celebrate Grandma's 90th birthday. When I spoke with Captain about his message this morning, he told me it was on holiness. I searched through my vast library. My wife tells me that I've got way too much music. When you got to go through four file cabinets to find something, there's something wrong. Um, 
I couldn't find anything that I was really comfortable with, so I decided that I would do an arrangement that my friend Stephen Bulla had written entitled, Shepherd, Hear My Prayer.
band master when we were stationed in Michigan City, Indiana. Um, our piano player, she, I said to her, what key are we going to sing this in? And she said, uh, Captain, they don't write songs in your key, so follow me. <laughs> so <laughs> I make sure this mic gets down a little bit. <laughs> but we're going to sing together on 537, Be Glad in the Lord. And it, and we'd like to talk a little bit today, uh, your testimony about sanctification, holiness. What does it mean to, to live for the Lord and, and to be sanctified life? In the New Testament, uh, sanctification also means holiness. Uh, to sanctify means to make holy. And, uh, it's been a long time since we've uh, since I've heard someone stand up and say, I'm saved and sanctified, you know. Because uh, sometimes that happens. It's just we don't talk about it as much as we used to. I don't know. Maybe maybe it's uh, important, but to me it is. And so we're going to sing together on 537, and we'll sing the first verse and the chorus. And then if you'd like to make a testimony, stand where you are, and uh, Chris will come with the mic to, to uh, uh, have you here. Okay, join us together. to have lived this long. I've been so blessed so many times, and he's answered my prayers so many times in very difficult situations. And I can only praise him today for all of his goodness to me. This has been a crowning event in my life to have my grandkids home with me to celebrate this particular day. But to all of you who helped me yesterday, and those who weren't able to be there with me yesterday, I just love you, and I thank you for all of your goodness to me. Mm-hmm. You've been so much a part of my life, and it's just been made, made my life that much better. I thank you again for all that you do for me. Good. I pray that throughout your life you will come to know him as I have. Mm-hmm. I think as I get older, I feel closer to him. And perhaps that's true with everyone, I'm not Mm -hmm. sure. Mm -hmm. But I know that I feel much closer to the Lord than I did even 10 years ago. And I just covet that for you. God bless you, each one, and thank you again. And you know that love is a two-way street, don't you? (laughs) Thank you. Back here, Chris. We all rejoice in the Lord, I think. I just want to say that when you go through an illness that you hit a wall, which I did, and I'm on your prayer list, but, you know, I still thank you for your prayers. Um, You are set apart 
And the Lord dealt with a lot of issues, not just with my illness when you're set apart. Because you watch the world go by, and you wonder when you're going to be able to engage in again. And I know many of you have gone through not only a physical but emotional wall that we hit. And that Lord sets us apart for many reasons. And I think it's not just the primary reason. I think it's for him to know us better and we to grow in him. And I've said this last year, that has happened in my life. And I rejoice because he's restored me, he's renewed me, and I'm rejoicing today in his love. Anyone else? I just want to take this opportunity to thank uh, our core family for all their prayers and support for Don and I and my mother for the last several months. And my mother met the challenge of being blind every day for the last few years before she died. Okay, we're going to sing this second. Oh, go ahead, Glenn. (laughs) It's good to be home. Our little Baptist church up north doesn't have a band. They don't have a choir. But they sing pretty well as a congregation. The only problem is if there's six verses to the song, they sing all six. And usually they sing three in a row. So you can imagine, my voice gets kind of tired. But the Lord visited us up there. We have a fine minister We've had a great summer. I could tell you a lot of things about my summer that you probably don't want to hear. But uh, the Lord has been good to us. He's watched over us. And I love him more today than I ever loved him before. Well, it's sure good to have you home, too. Let's join me in the second verse. glad in the Lord is great. But I think in order for us to do that, my opinion is you've got to let the trials and the tribulations of this world have its own place. Put it in the right order. Keep your perspective based on the Lord. Mm. Give your faith in Him and you will be glad in the Lord always. Great. Someone else? While he's up here on the platform. Go ahead, Jim. I just want to say that uh, I was just thinking, you know, if it hadn't been for Salvation Army officers uh, about 57 years ago, we wouldn't be here. And uh, it was the witness that they gave and the support for our family when my brother was killed that caused us to reexamine our lives and make a commitment to God, and that's why we're here. And... If you think about the legacy that your family leaves, you know, mom's here, I'm here, Ron's here, and Ron's serving in in Florida, and the other kids are close by here. But if it wasn't for Johnson's, probably none of us would be here. And maybe not even in a church, who knows. But it's so, so important for us to reach out to our friends and neighbors 
and to be able to show that witness, even if we don't say it, what we believe in and, and the, the support that God gives us day by day. I'm, I'm thankful for Mom. She's been a tremendous leader in our family and certainly an example for all of us to follow here at the core. And uh, if I can do part of that in my life, I'll be really happy. But I thank God for bringing us here. Giving, giving me the opportunity to witness in this way in the band and to sing such as it is. But uh, I just thank God for bringing us to him first and then to the army second. I just want to praise the Lord this morning. I'm also on the prayer list, but it says what I like to see uh, behind my name. And I really appreciate that from all of you, your prayers for me. And I uh, want to praise the Lord this morning with all my heart. Thank you. Sorry, Ted. <laughs> um, I just want to say how thankful I am for Grandma and the influence she's been on our lives as kids. And uh, you never know what influence you're going to have, no matter where you're at. And I ran into a case of that flying home. I get into my seat to fly from Tampa to Atlanta and I'm sitting next to the window and in comes this young kid with his hair shaved off and he's wearing a Go Army shirt, a U.S. Army shirt. He sat in the aisle aisle seat and as soon as he sits down, he says, hey, Ron, how are you? And I had no clue who he was. It just, it wasn't ringing. The, The face didn't ring a bell. And I'm trying to think how in the world he knows who I am because he was nowhere around when I showed my ID to check in and I haven't had anything out that would identify me in whatsoever. So I'm waiting. Hopefully I'll see something, a, a bag, tag, anything that's got his name on it so I can trigger nothing. Then the gentleman came down that sat between the two of us and they got to talking And he says, well, I've got all my paperwork here. I have to keep it in my hands because I'm going to Fort Benning for for basic training. And we are told we have to keep all of our paperwork on our person. This is everything in the world to me. And he pulls out a bag. So I'm looking, tag, tag. No tag. (laughs) But luckily he pulled out his folder and started going through all the paperwork. And I saw his name. And it was James Saint. This was a kid that I taught when we lived in Charlotte, after I'd left the Army and I'd started teaching in the private school system, he was one of my kids in the high school. And he had remembered after all these years. We got to reminiscing on the flight home, and he said, I remember the interest you took in all of us as kids. He said, you had over 300 kids, but you knew everybody by name, and you took a personal interest in us, which very few people do. And he said, that meant a lot to me. And now as I'm going into basic training, he said, I'm really scared, but I know you'll be praying for me. You just never know. I mean, the Carolinas, that was, gosh, 12 years ago. He hasn't seen me since then. I'd forgotten who he was, but he remembered.
So be careful. You never know who you're speaking to or what impact you're going to have. It will be a lifelong memory. just like to share a couple of experiences that I had this week. Um, the first one was on Tuesday evening. Kelly and I went to a piano recital up at CMU. It was two pianists. One was from Portugal. One was from Brazil. And it was just amazing what these two ladies could do on that keyboard together. And what amazed me the most was how they did it together. Um, I swear they had some kind of spring-loaded thing on the piano bench, so when the syncopation came hard, boom, they went up. And it was like this you know, act going on physically that you were watching. But the thing that, again, impressed me is that everything had to happen exactly. And I know when I play piano, I can't even get my two hands together, one person trying to do it, let alone two people trying to do this. And I thought of, as we were thinking about holiness, how important it is to be in tune with God, how important it is to be in his presence, to know of the Holy Spirit in your life. And if you're not in tune, if you're not doing things together, if you're not in the walk together, things don't happen the way they should. The notes don't come off the right way. The accents don't come off the right way. And as I saw these young ladies perform, Again, I thought of, you know, everything was just such in tune with one another. Everything happened together. Last night I attended my reunion, my high school. Everybody looked pretty old. I don't know what was going on, but everybody else looked pretty old. A few of us had a few more pounds on. Some people didn't change at all. I don't know how they did that. But uh, one close friend in high school I talked to, who lives in Miami, teaches at University of Miami, and he was explaining to me how he lost his house in Hurricane Andrew. In fact, his house fell on him. He had to dig himself out of his house. A couple of days after, his wife decided to divorce him. A week later, his mother passed away, and he found out that his mother had put his name on the deed so that that now was part of his estate, which became part of his wife's estate, and his wife ended up getting his mother's house. And I'm saying, oh, how did you handle all that? I mean, you're talking like it was just a, you know, a common thing that occurred. He said, well, I, I took it in stride. It was real stressful at the time. We were talking this morning about, in our, in our Sunday school class, how things happen in our lives, problems, situations. How do we handle those kinds of things? And I was getting answers like, well, I, you know, I get upset, I get angry, I'd run away, you know, these kinds of things. And it dawned on me that probably that's the reaction to all of us in calling, instead of calling on the Holy Spirit initially to help us, to guide us. And it gave me an opportunity to share with him about situations like that that are difficult in our lives that as a Christian we can draw upon the Holy Spirit being there. I'm very grateful to the friends, the family that I've grown up through many years. The reunion sort of opened up, you know, some thoughts of years back and all that. And I thank God for his presence in my life. And I continue to strive to live a holy life. It's a difficult thing. And as we think about our young people today, as we were talking this morning, it's difficult. It's really problematic in regards to the kind of challenges that our youth go through today. And I would ask your continued prayers for them um, every day so that they are aware 
that God is with them, that any problem that come across, God is there in their presence with the Holy Spirit. Sing the fourth verse in just a minute, but uh, isn't that what holiness and sanctification is, is how we live out our lives each day, you know? And and I think um, I see, for instance, our core officers, um, they're the model of that. Um, they often talk about their experience with the Lord and how he's worked in their lives. And that's really what sanctification is all about. How, what holiness is all about is how we live our life. And to give you one praise, uh, I have a, we have some Army officer friends out in Nebraska. We received a note through the uh, email or through the bulletin board that their granddaughter had been taken to the hospital for another checkup, and they found that she had one kidney that was enlarged, and it had a black spot on it. Now, she's only maybe four years old. So um, the note went out from the territory, pray for uh, the granddaughter, and uh, we certainly did. I called yesterday, and I said, so what's the news? And he said, we're just all praising the Lord because when they went in to check it again, the kidney is the same size and the black spot's gone. And the doctor said, the only thing you can contribute that to is the Lord answered some prayers somewhere, you know. So, and Mike said to them, you, you know, we had a lot of people praying for her and that's what's happened. So that's holiness. <laughs> that's sanctification. Let's sing together on the last verse as, as we sing then. Be glad in the Lord and I stood up before we finished praying because I didn't want our singing. I didn't want anyone else to take my place in uh, talking about salvation and holiness. I've been going to the Salvation Army almost 75 years and have loved every minute of it. I never was sidetracked to go to any other church and um, uh when I started the Salvation Army, we had two meetings. The morning meeting was the holiness meeting, as some of you old Salvationists know. And the evening service was the salvation meeting. We always got a message on holiness, which meant the sin of the inward part of us. The salvation meeting was what we did on the outside that people could see, such as going to the theater, dancing. He's not looking up. (laughs) Hank was writing me yesterday about (laughs) 
the music that was being played and so on and so forth, swearing, all kinds of things that were what they called the outward sin. And when we went to the altar, and I remember it very well, it was the last Sunday before my brother left for training college. He did the preaching, and I went to the altar. And that was the last Sunday in July of 1942. And then when I got to training college, of course, I heard a lot more from, you know, Colonel Pepper, because he was stationed here at one time years ago. And another old salvationist who has since gone to glory, some of you know his son real well, but Lieutenant Colonel um, Overstake was a marvelous, and he's the father of the Overstake that some of you know now. But he was a marvelous holiness preacher. And when I was in training college, they had a big congress that one of the generals was at. But in the afternoon, the general always got to sleep during that service. And Lieutenant Colonel Overstake preached on holiness. And holiness to us was the inward sin. Usually those things when we swore or when we lied, and all of those things were preached about. And even though lots of times, and I still hear people today say, well, sometimes you make a mistake and so so on, but sometimes we sin and we don't know how to get rid of it, but the Holy Spirit. Isaiah said, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. And the angels came and said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. And that afternoon, I can tell you a lot more about that service, but the Holy Spirit was certainly there. And many of us, it was almost like a cloud came down after Colonel Overstake preached and gave the message or gave the invitation and Most of those people there were officers. And I never saw so many officers go forward. They couldn't even get near the holiness table. And I was one of those that went and asked the Lord to do the second work of grace in my life. And it's possible. Young people once in a while when you'll say, some word that shouldn't be said, and you say, oh, it just came out. The Holy Spirit takes care of those things. I love the Lord today with all of my heart. As far as I uh, am able, I will never disappoint my Heavenly Father, His precious Son, and the Holy Spirit who makes it possible. God bless each one of you. Thank you. I'll ask the ushers to come forward uh, as we get prepared to take our offering. One of the greatest ways we can show someone our love is when we give. Uh, This is an extremely important aspect of our relationship with God as well, and it's an important way that we uh, give back is uh, through our offerings and tithes back to Him. Um, A wise man once read this scripture... Every man, according to his purpose in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly 
or out of necessity, for God loveth the cheerful giver. And then our core treasure also added, but God also loves a non-cheerful giver. So, isn't that right? Okay. I want to make sure I had that last part correct. Shall we pray? Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to give back to you a portion of what you've given to us. We pray that you would give us opportunities to give uh, back not only in our offerings, but also in our time and talent. We pray that you would be with us and guide us. In Jesus' name, amen.
thank you for your um, holiness testimonies this morning. People are, are real hesitant to talk about holiness, especially applying it personally to their own lives. Um, but I hope we'll become more comfortable. As those testimonies showed, holiness isn't something to be afraid of. It isn't something that's terribly complex. You might have noticed that um, we've been doing a lot of construction around here for the last year or so. It's been especially busy this summer with renovations to our heating and cooling and ventilation system. And we also added a new roof on the entire facility. But because of the complexity of the renovations to the heating and cooling systems, uh, we've employed an engineer architect firm to uh, design and then to also oversee these projects to make sure they're done correctly. I think they've done a pretty good job. But if you want another opinion, just find Dave Bell. Where are you, Dave? <laughs> he may have a different opinion on the matter. Uh, Dave Hitchings has been the main guy that we've worked with here on this project. Now, if you've ever met this Dave, there's one quality that really stands out about him. It's the way he talks. Talks with a very quiet voice. It doesn't really matter how much noise is going on in the background. Dave still talks in this same still, small voice. You know, in a world where so many people are shouting to be heard and they're doing outlandish things to get attention, soft-spoken people have become kind of a rarity. When Dave speaks, everyone kind of leans forward to listen because you have to. He's unfazed by the noise around him and he refuses to raise his voice. I guess he assumes that if people really want to hear what he has to say, they will listen. Kind of like that old E.F. Hutton commercial from the 80s. When E.F. Hutton talks, people listen. This echoes a truth that's found in Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 17. It says there, The quiet words of the wise are more to be heeded than the shouts of a ruler of fools. I like that. In a day when there are so many voices shouting, it's good to know that God esteems those who are quiet and soft-spoken, but speak wisely. Perhaps that's a lesson we need to learn, to listen better, maybe to speak more quietly. Please open your Bible to 1 Timothy chapter 2. And as you do that, let me give you a little bit of background. This letter to Timothy was probably written after Paul was arrested and then released from his first imprisonment in Rome. It's a pastoral letter, meaning it was written as a personal letter to a particular pastor, in this case to Timothy, as opposed to being a public letter that was written to the entire church or to a group of churches. I think it's informative to realize that when this letter was written, the church consisted of small, scattered pockets of believers, really in a sea of paganism. There weren't churches on every corner like you find today. In fact, there weren't even church buildings. Churches met in people's homes. On top of this, 
the church was comprised mostly of people who were fresh out of this world of paganism and still immersed in this culture on a daily basis. Imagine how easy it would be for them to slip back into the familiar practices of paganism as they rub shoulders with their pagan neighbors every day. So Paul writes to help Timothy guide his flock in Christian living. Let's read verses 1 through 6. I urge then, first of all, that requests, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for everyone, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants all men to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all men, the testimony given in its proper time. Paul starts out here by telling Timothy that God's people need to pray. And not just for their friends and and loved ones, but for everyone, and especially, Paul says, for people who are in places of authority. Now recognize that these authority figures, figures were not Christians. They were pagans. That didn't matter. Paul instructed them to pray for them anyway. This is why on our own prayer list we have our governmental leaders and our Salvation Army leadership. Now according to Major Fulton here, most of the DHQ officers are Christians. And... Many of our governmental leaders claim to be Christians as well. But even if they weren't, and even if they don't claim to be Christians, we are still to pray for them. We are commanded to pray for these people for a very specific reason and purpose. That purpose is expressed in verse 2. Here is what it says. That we may live peaceful and quiet lives. Doesn't that sound nice? peaceful and quiet life, who doesn't want that? A peaceful neighborhood, a house with a three-car garage in the burbs, 1.5 kids, an SUV in the driveway, and a dog. Is that what God wants for us, that peaceful life? Is it His desire that we go through life fat, happy, and content? Well, I don't want to disappoint you, but I think... God's expecting something more, something different. There's another reason we are to seek peace and quiet. And it's right there in that same verse. It's so that we can live out our faith in a way that draws others to Christ. It's so we can live a godly life, a life of holiness. Look again at verse 2. It says that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. You see, this peace and quiet we're seeking is not really for our own comfort and pleasure. The follower of Christ has put his or her needs under the lordship of Christ and the direction of the Holy Spirit. So we no longer live for ourselves alone, not even for ourselves primarily. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 15 puts it this way, He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life 
will no longer live to please themselves. Instead, they will seek to please Christ, who died and was raised for them. Please don't misunderstand me. It's not that we're not supposed to enjoy our lives. It's just that our fulfillment, our purpose, now comes from serving Christ and from serving others, not just serving our own desires, which is the way of the world. We want to please Christ. And Christ wants everyone to be saved, doesn't he? The result of this desire this holy and godly living, is that others are attracted to Christ by what they see in us. That's why God's left us here. He could save us and just pull us immediately to heaven, but He's left us here for a purpose. We are to fulfill Christ's desire that people be saved. Did you know that God wants to save your neighbors, your classmates, the guy who begs your groceries? the people that you work with, He wants to save them so much that He came and died for them. In fact, He wants everyone to have the Gospel presented to them. And He wants that presentation to start with the way you and I live our lives in all godliness and holiness. So you really don't have to buy a bullhorn and take a soapbox out onto Main Street and stop the traffic so that you can preach the gospel. Though if God tells you to do that, you better do it. You can share Christ, however, through a quiet holiness as you live out your daily life. Some of these testimonies this morning spoke of that kind of a holiness. A godly and holy life is first seen more than it's heard. In another letter, 1 Thessalonians 4 11 through 12, Paul expresses it this way. Make your ambition to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business and to work with your hands, just as we told you, so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders and so that you will not be dependent on anybody. The way we live our lives ought to win the respect of people outside the church, not their condemnation. We are to work hard, live simply, and pursue holiness, a quiet holiness, even a David Hitchings holiness. Holiness, like salvation, isn't complex. It's supposed to be a natural part of our Christian life. It should be a natural expression of the fact that the Holy Spirit's living inside of us. God has already done all of the work, all of the difficult work for you to be holy. It's all been done. All we really have to do is accept the gift by faith and then live in its reality. Two key words are used in verse 2 to describe this character of the Christian life. The NIV translation uses the words godliness and holiness. The Greek word rendered as godliness is difficult to translate. Of this word, William Barclay writes, it describes the attitude of mind which respects man and honors God. It never forgets the reverence due to God. It never forgets the rights due to men. It never forgets the respect due to self. It describes the character of a man who never fails God, man, 
or himself. The second word there is holiness. It's another Greek word in the realm of the untranslatable. Again, William Barclay defines it in this way. A grace and a dignity not lent by earth. It may be said that for a man who has this quality, all life is one act of worship. All life is lived in the presence of God. He moves through the world as if it has been put, as it has been put, as if it was the temple of the living God. He never forgets the holiness of God nor the dignity of man. I think those are beautiful descriptions of holiness. It is a balance between the dignity God's given us and the holiness that indwells us through the Holy Spirit. So we don't have to be loud and brash. We don't have to offend people with our faith. In fact, the Apostle Paul makes this recommendation. Be careful how you live among your unbelieving neighbors. Even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and they will believe and give honor to God when he comes to judge the world. Holy living can win over even your enemies as they watch the way you conduct yourself, the way you live your life, the way you go through trials as we've talked about. Remember the Roman centurion at the cross? Now we're talking about a hardened Roman who crucified people for a living. Yet as he watched and listened to the way Christ handled himself on the cross, he was convicted and convinced. Paul instructed the church to pray that believers would have the freedom to live lives of quiet holiness so that the quality and character of their lives might be a testimony to the saving power of Jesus Christ. And now God has given us the opportunity to seek holiness. In fact, it's his plan. It's not just an opportunity, it's his desire. It's his plan for you and it's his plan for me. We also have the benefit of living in a country that gives us the freedom, the peace, to be able to live lives of quiet holiness so we can draw others to Jesus and we need to that's why we need to pray for our leaders that we continue to have this opportunity so this morning seek to live at peace with your neighbors and aspire to live your lives in simple holiness in doing so you will please God and you will also be used of him to draw others to Christ wonder this morning if that describes you. Are you a person living at peace with those around you? At home? In your neighborhood? In your workplace or at school? If not, I implore you to make peace rule in your relationships as far as it concerns you. And are you living a life of simple holiness? Is Jesus Christ the center of who you are and what you do? Are you allowing the Holy Spirit who lives in you if you are a Christian? Are you allowing him to guide you and direct you? Direct your actions and your reactions? All aspects of your life. Have you surrendered it all to him? Here's what I ask of you this morning. Make a commitment. Make a vow, whatever you want to call it. Make a commitment to follow Jesus. To be in tune 
with the Holy Spirit, like those piano players Ted mentioned. And to honor the Father in all that you think, say, and do. Is that asking too much? Considering what God's done for us? Live peaceful and quiet lives, Paul wrote, in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants all men to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. This is possible only by surrendering to God and trusting the Holy Spirit to do it. In our own strength, we will fail. But if you rely on the power of the Holy Spirit, I can guarantee you God will use you. Let's pray. Father, this this morning I thank you that um, you have opened the door to holy living not as some kind of a difficult test we have to pass or some bar that's been set so high that it is unattainable, but Lord, as the natural expression of who we are in you. The realization that your Holy Spirit lives within us and that if we would simply learn his voice and follow his leading, that, that Lord, we could be holy people, that godliness could be Um, the characteristic of our lives. Lord, I pray that we wouldn't allow all of the theological arguments and confusions to come up and cause us to, to doubt that it's an experience for us. Instead, Lord, I pray that we would begin to see you in us already and pray, Lord, that we might surrender all that we are to you. So, Lord, this morning, I just ask that you would move in our hearts If there's anyone here this morning, Lord, who needs to make a further surrender, needs to make this commitment, I pray, Lord, that we would simply reach out in faith, not looking to our own ability, but, Lord, simply trusting that you are true to your word. And then, Lord, uh, might we be surprised to see how you come and you fill every nook and cranny of our lives and how you use us to bring others into your kingdom. That is our desire, Lord. Use us, make us holy people, for we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing a song of response, 458 in your songbook. It will also be up front. Take time to be holy, and that's what we're taking this morning, some time to consider holiness. And it doesn't say take time to do holy. It's not a matter of um, uh, finding a bunch of good things to do so we can look like good people. It's first being holy because of our relationship with God through the Holy Spirit. And then it's a matter of letting that work out through your life. So this morning, if, if you need some help with that, the Holy Spirit's here. He'll help invite you to come and pray, to make that commitment, to ask for God's help. If you want someone to pray with you, Folks, you would be happy to. Let's sing our first verse. Take time to be holy. Take time to be holy. Speak up with thy
verse tells us for sure you can expect the world's going to rush on. Maybe we don't live in a pagan culture, though it's getting that way. We are still surrounded by people who don't know the Lord. And the world is going to rush on. And the pressures of life and the temptations are going to be there. What do you need to do? Spend time in secret with Jesus. Look to Jesus and then uh, learn to be like him by following his example. So I pray that God would would give you that experience, that you would seek that experience. I'm going to ask you to stand. We're going to sing the third and fourth verses. And I invite you, God speak into your heart, to come seek that experience. Father, it is good that we were able to be here today to praise you, to glorify you, and give honor to your name. We pray, Lord, that you help us to take the lessons we have heard here today, to apply them to our daily lives. We pray that all we do, wherever we are, our thoughts and actions will be pleasing and honorable in your sight. Help us, Lord, to be good stewards not only of what we give, but also good stewards of what we keep for ourselves. Bless us now. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And now we will sing the closing benediction. Praise God, I'm saved.